Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did I tell you that we relaunched our TV podcast that is now called the Prestige TV Pod? We did it in time for Succession, which is launching in October. But there's so many good shows this fall. We got Yellowstone and Billions and Insecure. We have The Shrink Next Door. Is Mayor of Kingstown going to be good? We're going to be breaking all of it down. The morning show season finale. We are going to be here. Like, we're going to treat it like we treat the NBA playoffs. If there's a really good prestigious TV show, we're breaking it down in this feed. Check it out. The Prestige TV Pod from the Ringer Podcast Network. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, TJ Johnson-Stremski. We are right here on the Ringer Podcast Network and Super Wild Card Weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's almost done. It's almost over. And my head is still spinning based upon what we saw down in Big D. That's the game of the weekend. That's the game that had the most sizzle. It's definitely the game that had the most eyeballs on the TV set. And I, for the life of me, still cannot believe how that went down for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you listen to this podcast on Friday, you are well aware of the fact that I like these San Francisco 49ers to go and win the game. And listen, everything that I saw early was what I expected from the Niners. They played bully ball. They ran the football. Their schemes were creative. There was a bit of a coaching mismatch between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McCarthy. But with all that working in the direction of San Francisco, the Niners 
had multiple opportunities to drop the hammer. Didn't do it. Up 10-0, fourth and one, they kick a field goal. Lame. Then Jimmy Garoppolo misses a wide-open Brandon Ayuk, which would have put the game on ice. Lame. Then Garoppolo, after horrific decision-making by McCarthy, down 16, kicks a field goal, makes it a 13-point game. I'm bashing him on Twitter left and right. He's validated because Garoppolo goes and makes an inexplicable mistake and sets up the Cowboys, and then all of a sudden you have a six-point game. Then you get to the madness of the final couple of minutes in this game. The penalties that were a major, major problem for McCarthy's team. And they're not the sort of penalties that you get on officiating crews for. They were the sort of penalties that you get on your own team for, for the lack of discipline that was apparent for four quarters. That falls completely on the head coach. Dallas gets a chance. They overrule a spot. The Niners have a false start on a quarterback sneak. Total mess. Total nightmare. Final possession of the game. Niners are basically in prevent defense. They are allowing the Cowboys to go basically from their own 15 down to 9 or 40 at the snap of a finger. And then you have the final play of the game that everybody's going to be talking about. It's going to be the lead on every show in America. It is one of those mind-numbingly dumb plays. In many ways, to me, it's worse than what happened in Seattle with Tony Romo botching the smack. It, it, it really is. And I'm going to tell you why it's worse. That was a physical mistake. It was a physical mistake. What happened at the end of the game with Dak Prescott running a quarterback draw, then Dak Prescott not giving the ball to the umpire, giving it to one of his own teammates, and allowing time to expire is basically the worst reflection that you can have on your head coach imaginable. That is embarrassing, embarrassing stuff. And Dak is at fault because if he gives the ball to the official, they spike it, they might have a second left. But why are you putting your quarterback in that position? Who runs a stupid-ass play call like that? What good does it do you? It's, it's beyond baffling. It is the sort of play call, combined with the 100-plus yards of penalties, that would have me if I were Jerry Jones, that would have me if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, screaming for a new head coach. Screaming for a new head coach. That can't happen. It can't happen in a playoff game. To see your season come to an end like that? Good luck sleeping tonight if you're a Cowboy fan. That's, that's all I'm going to say. The Niners probably feel like they got away with one. We'll get to the matchups for next weekend in a couple of minutes. But all in all, that is like insanity to see a game end like that. And it basically sums up the Mike McCarthy persona and performance on the job. I guess that year of uh, spending time away has really done Mike McCarthy wonders, let me tell you. So the Niners survived. That was the highlight of the weekend. Second best game of the weekend, and it wasn't even close, was the raider Bengal game from Saturday. And that game, listen, had a tons of twists and turns. You had a bunch of field goals. The Bengals missed an opportunity to drop the hammer. Then you had that just gross bit of officiating where Burrow throws the touchdown to Boyd. You thought he might be out of bounds. He wasn't out of bounds. The idiotic officials blow the whistle. Was it going to be a touchdown? Yes. But when you blow a whistle, you're on the field. 
You stop. And what was NBC doing? NBC basically took like 10 hours to discuss it. And I love my man, Mike Tarico. You know that. Mike Tarico's family. He's juice. He's one of my favorite people that there is. He's basically holding Drew Brees' hand throughout the entire broadcast. Can they, can they mention the fact that a whistle was blown? I mean, come on now. Then you get to the second half of that game. And this is where the Raiders, and I was wrong on this game. I got to own it. I got to eat some crow. Completely dropped the ball. They had two red zone opportunities. And they had a chance to go and win the game. They got three points in those two red zone opportunities. I mean, you got Carr hitting guys in the helmet. Then you got the Raiders on a final possession of the game. They converted third and 17. Then they're cooking inside the 15. And you got Carr spiking the ball with 30 seconds to play. And then I got to hear Breeze say, what a great decision it is. True, are you, are you nuts? What were you smoking, bro? Honestly. And then the Raiders had three horrific plays. The Bengals get a stop and they win the game. And that's a monumental win for the Bengal franchise. Burrow, the year he has had, young team emerging, first win for the Bengals in a postseason since the Sam Weish, Boomer Esiason-led Bengals. All you need to know, the photo up that was going viral all over Twitter, it's Weish, Boomer, and O.J. Simpson wearing the gloves. <laughs> Sideline reporting. That's all you need to know about what happened the last time the Cincinnati Bengals won a playoff game. So, no, O.J. OJ was not on the sideline doing the interview with Burrow after the game. I, I, I think we know why. There are a lot of reasons why. But I saw that, and I was, like, like mind-blowing. So, good for the Bengals. The other three games, let's call it like it is. Men against boys. Buffalo spanked the Patriots. Josh Allen was unstoppable. The game was over. Allen touched down to Knox. Fabulous throw, fabulous catch. Next possession, New England had some confidence. They executed some third and longs. They're in Bill's territory. Micah Hyde comes out of nowhere and makes one of the best interceptions you're ever going to see. Instead of that being an answer for New England, it's a turnover. The Bills Mafia is going nuts. We got Fitzpatrick in the crowd shirtless. Good for him. He's a lunatic. I love him. We got to get him on the podcast. And basically, Buffalo goes right down the field. They score seven touchdowns. That is as embarrassing a playoff loss Bill Belichick has ever had. The only one that compares to me is the Ravens game at home when Ray Rice and Willis McGahee ran all over the defense. This is splash a cold water in reality in the face of New England Patriots. Belichick has you competitive. But your defense took a major step back at the end of the year. Your quarterback still has a lot to prove and did not exactly wow me over the final month of the year. Played like crap against my team. Played like crap against the Colts. Did not play well against the Bills in either one of these games. And New England's got to get more dynamic. And if you think about the AFC East, Jeff fans, the AFC East runs through Buffalo. And now the stage is set for Buffalo and Kansas City. And how about the fact they have Kansas City after falling behind 7 and nothing. They answer back, and you knew at the end of the first half, up 7, Steelers punt it. Not only does Kansas City come away with 3, they get the Kelsey touchdown, they go up 14. That was, that was all I needed to see. The only complaint I have to Kansas City is, what are you doing unveiling a trick play with Kelsey throwing it at the goal line in a game where you're up by 21 points? Like, save that play maybe 
for when you're going to need it against Buffalo or somebody else in trying to win a Super Bowl. That, that's my only critique for the Kansas City Chiefs. And hats off to Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Fame career. But, you know, he's like the old family dog. I mean, let's be honest. At the end, for Ben, guy couldn't move. Guy couldn't throw. You know, it's like your dog that's like 20 years old, that's blind, that's deaf, and he can't walk. It's, 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 it's painful. It, it's been painful the last couple of weeks watching Ben Roethlisberger play the quarterback position. Let's be real on that. It's been painful. But Steelers are done. Can't wait for Bills and Chiefs. And then, I mean, anybody who bet on the Eagles today, and a lot of people did, a lot of short bettors did. What were you thinking? I mean, in all honesty, you bet on Jalen Hurts against Tom Brady. Just think about that for a minute. I don't care about the running back injuries. I don't care about Chris Godwin. I didn't care about any of that stuff. A lot of my gambling instincts actually said, take the Eagles. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do it. It's Brady against Hurts. Brady was magnificent. Jalen Hurts was awful. And if I'm the Eagles, I got all this draft capital. I have talent. I have a good running game. I have a good offensive line. I am thinking about getting another quarterback next year. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts can't be, you know, middle of the pack if he works on some of his throwing. He's an athletic guy. He can't throw the ball. I mean, it was obvious watching the game. He can't throw the ball. 17-0. What is that throw at the end of the half? Can't do it. The Eagles didn't beat a playoff team all year, so what you saw on Sunday shouldn't surprise you. Now, for the weekend, divisional round, it is going to be off the rails if the Rams win. And the way they did the scheduling is fantastic. Bengals, Titans, early. Saturday. Packers, Niners, Saturday night, Lambeau Field. Those two teams, they have a lot of playoff history. The T.O. game, the Kaepernick game, they got a lot of history. Niners smoked them in the NFC title game a couple of years ago. I love that game on Saturday night. I hope it snows at Lambeau Field. I hope it snows. And it's Sunday, they do it right. Three and 6.30. Bucks against the winner of the Monday night game. And then Bills Chiefs, part two. Oh, baby, that's a get-your-popcorn-ready type of game. And I think most people will expect the winner of Bill's Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. I think that'll be the trendy pick. It's funny, I thought Buffalo was going to be the trendy pick in that game. Now I'm not so sure after what Kansas City did tonight. I, I, I told Stefan this. I have two strong leans on these matchups if we get them, if it goes the way I think it's going to go. I'm not saying any more. One of the games is on Saturday. One of the games is on Sunday. Bills Chiefs is not one of those games. That's going to be a really, really tough game for me to pick. Really, really tough game. But I can't wait for these divisional rounds. You're going to get this now with the expansion of the postseason. You had a couple of teams that, let's be honest, did not belong. The Eagles did not belong. The Steelers did not belong. Well, Final Four in the AFC and the NFC, it is going to be baller next weekend. I'm talking big boy shit. Big boy shit. So I think it will make up for a blase wildcard weekend, but can always count on the Dallas Cowboys. They are the gift that keeps on giving. Now, bad news for fans. I had that on my second TV Saturday night. My first reaction is I hope he didn't blow out his ACL because it looks super awkward for Kevin Durant. Super, super, super awkward for Kevin Durant. All things considered, Four to six weeks, sprain of the MCL, it's probably the best news you could have gotten. But the issue now, again, for Brooklyn, 
a team that has won a lot of games, a team that has been waiting to get Kyrie Irving back, that's had Harden in and out at times, that ran out because of COVID stuff and whatnot. Well, now you don't have the opportunity on the road where you're playing a bunch of games on the road where Kyrie will be able to give it a go. You don't have the big three gaining the sort of chemistry that you would want them to gain going into the postseason. You're wiping a month away from that. That is the issue to me. It may turn out down the line, this is a blessing in disguise for Kevin Durant. He's not wearing his body out in January and in the February. He's fresher for March, April, May, June. That's what you're thinking if you're an FN. But I want to have my team on the same page. And if you got guys constantly in and out, in and out, in and out of the lineup, well, how do you gain that and how do you go about that? That's the problem for the Nets. So they'll be without KD for the next four to six weeks. Kyrie, these road games, buckle up. Going to need a lot out of you, big boy. And quietly, very, very quietly, under the radar, not getting a whole lot of attention, maybe because of the Giants, maybe because of all the football that's going on. Who the hell knows? The Knicks are starting to play some really good basketball. Now, they've taken advantage of some eh, so-so teams. Dallas was a really good win the other night. Atlanta has not been the team that I thought they were going to be going into the year. But that was a great performance from Barrett. It was a great performance from Randall. They got a Monday game against the Hornets, another one of those teams that's kind of neck and neck with them when you think about the bottom half of the Eastern Conference standings. And the biggest takeaway for me with the Knicks over the last few games is that Barrett is playing like a man possessed. He's playing with swagger. He's playing with confidence. He is attacking. His shot is there. He looks terrific. He looks absolutely terrific. That's the R.J. Barrett the Knicks are going to need. And the Knicks have, in many ways here, a pretty gettable couple of games as they are now over the 500 mark. Pretty much gettable until you hit the end of January. Hornets, Timberwolves, Pelicans all at home, Clippers at home, and then listen to this stretch. Cavs at the Heat at the Bucks. That's brutal. That means you need to win a couple of games here. So I want to see the Knicks get in a groove at Madison Square Garden, which has been a problem for them so far this year. But some encouraging signs, no doubt, as we move closer and closer to, wow, the middle of February. It's amazing. It's the great the legend Martin Luther King's birthday or Martin Luther King Day here on Monday. It's hard to believe it is Martin Luther King Day. It's amazing. The year just, just flies. It's going to be March. It's going to be June. It's going to be September next year before you know it. So. That's the way it goes. But I'll be into the Knicks and the Nets tomorrow, right into Monday Night Football with the Rams and the Cardinals. And over the next few days, we'll try to get a sense for the front runner, who's the leader in the pack for this giant GM search. Because, listen, right now, all the candidates sound great. They're coming from winning organizations. You're not going to have me waxing poetic saying, well, I like this guy, I don't like that guy. They're getting guys from quality programs. We'll see if they can draft. we see if they can build a winner. But so far, so good. I figure we get some perspective on that. Before we get to voicemails, Jordan Renan, who I love, tells it like it is. ESPN covers the Giants. He'll give us some insight on what's going on with Big Blue. That's up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So loaded wildcard weekend, but locally, the New York Giants in the market for head coach, the Giants in the market for general manager. So I figured we'd welcome in a guy who's been spending a lot of time around the organization, and I'm sure he's sick and tired of covering 4 and 14, 5 and 12, 6 and 10 type teams. Ain't that right, Jordan Renan? How we doing, man? Good, man. First time, long time. I feel that applies here. But yeah, you know, definitely appreciate you having me. It's, and I was thinking about it this morning. It's like, you know, man, like it would be nice to wake up and have to write about the actual game, right? A game, like a meaningful game. And like, uh, usually it gets to the point where you're, you're sitting there. It's almost like October, mid-October. And you know, deep down, like this is over. They don't have any real shot to be a competitive team this year. It's just, you're just going to play out the string. And people, especially now, I've never seen the Giants fan base reach this point. Right, the depths that they've reached now—it's like everybody wants blood. Nobody wants to hear about anything. You don't—you don't want to hear about anything that—that that even like one positive play that might, might have happened. Like it's like pitchforks. Let's go, new coach, new GM, blow everyone out, get rid of ownership. That's where we are. Yeah, and you know what, Jordan? After what John Mara said the other day, I think it spoke volumes. The fact that he was asked, "Is this the most embarrassed you have been?" And the Giants had some embarrassing years over the last couple of seasons. The whole Eli fiasco, the Pat Shermer hire. So for 2021, Josh Josh Brown, Brown, I mean, it goes on, DeAndre Baker, on and on we go. This was the lowest point. And I know they didn't want to fire this head coach. They didn't want to do it because they're sick and tired of firing a coach after two years. They wanted some sense of continuity. But Jordan, they're making a right call here. The idea that they can have the GM and the head coach finally now on the same timetable and not making the same mistake they did a couple of years ago with Gettleman when they fired Pat Shermer. I woke up when I found out the news or it was in the afternoon. I actually think I was getting off the Peloton. Phone's blowing up. And I'm like, you know what? This team made the right call. I think they made the right decision. Look, Joe Judge was fired as a victim. Of, look, he didn't do a great job this year. Let's, let's be fair, right? But he was fired as a victim of the situation. That, and, and that's why you're right. They almost needed to do it because they screwed it up two years ago when they didn't get rid of Dave Gettle. So now they had a GM who needed to go, who's, you know, his track record with the Giants proved to be one of the worst GM stints, you know, in recent memory. I mean, it's comparable, you know, percentage-wise to Matt Millen. JJ, you'll like this. You know how many games the Giants were favored in this year? Ooh. How many games guess. were the Giants favorited? One or two. It's one. The, what was week it? The Falcon three, game, right? The Falcon game. The oh Falcon my goodness. Game. Week, that's week hard to three. believe. So, like, that's the team that they had. They had a bad team. It got even worse once, you know, they were playing with no quarterback at the end. The offensive line was just a, a misery. 
But you're hiring a new GM, and you're nowhere near winning. And so what happens if you hire a new GM, and then Joe Judge is sitting there, and you have another bad year next year or the year after? Like, you're going to have to at some point align it. Like, it should have been done a long time ago, right? This team is, is way behind the curve. And you mentioned John Marriott gets the most embarrassing. Driven. Guess what, JJ? I've heard that line four or five, six times now in the last six or eight years. Okay. I heard John Maris sit there. I've never been more embarrassed in my life. I wanted to fire everyone in the organization. You know when he said that? In 2013, 14. No, yeah, 2013. When they blew a ridiculous game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. He thought that was the low, right? And they finished, I think, uh, they came back and finished seven and nine that year. This year they started 0 and 6. And the, but we're just we're in a cycle, and so in order to change it, you, they ha, they had to create a system where ownership, let's be fair, is not is sort of de-emphasized. Like their decision making is de-emphasized because they haven't done a good job. I mean, it start with the hires, right? The hiring of Gettleman was one of the most fraudulent searches of all time. So now they want to do it the right way. They have a GM search. The GM is going to be directly aligned to the coach. The GM, for the first time, as far as I'm aware, because I've been alive for 100 years, is this is the first time that the GM is the one that's ultimately hiring the coach. Yes, ownership has to sign off on it, right? But if you think that Dave Gettleman was the one that hired Pat Shermer, or you think that Dave Gettleman was the one that hired Joe Judge, you're wrong. Like, the ownership in the Giants is the one that, like, they, they had separated church and state, personnel, front office, and coaching. Like, that's always been the way their setup's been. And now it's going to be merged kind of into one. And so that's why you're right. In this situation that this team is in, in the needing to get the organization, the franchise running in the way that teams do nowadays, it was necessary. Okay. From what you're hearing regarding the GM search, all the names seem promising because they seem promising from organizations that know a thing or two about winning. I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert on every single one of these guys coming from player personnel categories and whatnot. Is there a particular favorite, though, Jordan, that right. you have out of any of these names? It comes to personnel, people, even like guys that you know who's really drafting what guys. So Joe Hortiz, impressive background from a really good organization in the Ravens, they've won forever, right? But how do we know who he was ultimately champion, championing in, uh, in regards to player evaluation? So to me, it's more about leadership, uh, process, uh, ability to uh, you know, take a group, the whole personnel group, owner, and then Giants, it's going to involve Jerry Reese deserves a lot of credit. You know, <laughs> it, it, still, and this is going to be the case with the Giants, it's about taking a whole group of people, and that's going to include partly ownership here. That's just the way it is. You know, they own the team. They could operate however they want. And to be about taking everybody and putting it together. Now, Joe Shane is the guy that kind of sticks out to me probably the most. I heard his interview went well. Uh, the thing about it is that he's well-rounded, right? That he's worked on all different sides. And I think that's important here. It's not just like, all right, who's the best talent evaluator? Because some guys can sit there and tell you, uh, I, I, we picked. Lamar Jackson, that guy might have, you know, had a so-so great on Who knows, right? So, uh, Joe Shane, to me, kind of sticks out. Um, Ryan Poles is an interesting candidate, too. I, I've heard really positive things about those two guys. 
uh, even how their interviews went so far. So uh, Ryan Poles is uh, young. I, he's at least 38, maybe even younger, 36. Uh, executive with the Chiefs uh, has some interesting um, views of, of how to how to run an organization, and uh, you know how to how to scout and sort of build an organization. That's the thing. Giants ownership, and this is a big thing for the candidates. They they kind of are promising the candidates here. From what I'm being told, carte blanche. Okay, you can take this canvas and develop it any way you want. You know, we're willing to sort of get out of the way. And that's a big thing. Okay. So if we're going to tie a candidate to Brian Flores, is there one, Jordan, that you're hearing might have the inkling with Brian Flores or any of these candidates not exactly of that same wavelength? Is any particular candidate standing out, you think, saying, mm, they get this job, there's a good chance Flores gets the job? Yeah, I mean, to me, you wonder because Brian Flores, you know, he obviously rubbed some people the wrong way in Miami. So I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is Joe Shane, who has organization, people who have reached out to me that raise and love the guy, Joe Shane. But that, remember, Brian Flores also, he, he burned bridges down there with some people. If, I, if he gets hired, that I would say, okay, he has extensive experience with Brian Flores in this list. I said, I'm not going to discount anyone. I know there's enough respect. I spoke to a, a lot of coaches and a lot of front office people. There's enough respect for Brian Flores around the league right now for pretty much any of these GMs who get hired. Police want to speak with him. And I spoke to a bunch of people about this. He, he is definitely open to the possibility, and he would like to be involved in that Giants head coaching opening, obviously depending on who the GM is. But in the right situation, definitely interesting. Jordan, final one. So we look at the franchise. New GM, new head coach coming in. The salary cap is brutal because of what Gettleman left them going into 2022. The jury's out on whether or not Daniel Jones can be a big-time quarterback in this league. Obviously, the GM is going to decide the future of that position. But I get the sense the Giants look at 2022 and this new GM looks at 2022 as a chance in many ways to clear the deck. And I can't see them investing, you know, a monster package for a Wilson. Or if Watson ends up working their way onto the giant list, that could change with Brian Flores. But my sense is they're not going to be putting all their eggs in the basket of a quarterback this year and that 2022 Far more wait and see, Jones, somebody else, some along those lines. Do you think that'll end up being an accurate portrayal of what the Giants end up seeing at quarterback next year? Again, we don't know who's in charge and who's ultimately making that decision. But what we can base it on right now is the situation the organization's in, right? And they set up next year to be functioning with a quarterback on a rookie deal. So you start there, right? And like you said, they have all this draft capital. To me, in order to get out of this cap situation, they're in there. It's a one year. They put themselves in a one year like spot where they're they're screwed against the cap. So, to me, the idea would be yes, like you said, an evaluation year. Ideal for this organization is have an evaluation year this year. You know, maybe take some of your draft capital, even roll it into the following year. See what you have. Do you know? 
make the best of what you can for 2022 and then really look in 2023 to sort of overhaul. So again, you know, and, and trust me, I talked to people around the league, uh, a general manager, uh, a coach who has done extensive work with quarterback and a personnel executive. And they all told me as recently as late in the season, like they all think Daniel Jones is still could be a pretty good quarterback. He just needs the right pieces around him. Now, it doesn't mean he's like a top 10 quarterback and you build around him, but at least, you know, we're back into, okay, let's just evaluate him one more year. It's not expensive. You know, to make that move for Russell Wilson and or Deshaun Watson, whatever, that costs the massive draft capital, then you can't sign free agents. How are you really realistically going to build the team around them in the next two years? So the, the setup of the organization where Dave Gettleman left him, like to me, almost indicates, like you said, that it doesn't make sense for them to go in that direction. And to, if they like a quarterback in the draft, fine, draft a quarterback. If they want to roll some of their draft capital into 2023, that's not a bad idea either. These all seem like better solutions than to uh, make that big move and, you know, pay, pay a big price for it this year. Jordan, thanks so much for doing this. I know you're going to be super busy over the next few days, the next few weeks. And, you know, maybe one of these years we're having a January conversation about a game. That would, that, that would be nice. Maybe that's something to strive for. I can't even say next year. Within the next three years, Jordan, I hope we have you on before, <laughs> like, wild card weekend. That would, that would be thrilling. Yeah, you know what, JJ? I'm not greedy at this point. I would take seven and ten, eight and nine. I mean, I'm not asking for much here. The bar is low, man. It's really low. All right, good stuff, Drew and Renan. Now it's go time. Voicemails, let's hear them. We'll give you a play for Monday night. I think you guys know where I'm leaning with the Cardinals and the Rams. But all that is coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. All right, folks, voicemail time. 917-382-1151. That's where we make magic. And reminder, on Tuesday, Trivia Tuesday. So uh, I've been taking a lick in the start of the new year, so... Come at me. I know Larry in Florida will be coming at me. So Trivia Tuesday, you want to get on that. All the playoff stuff, all the giant stuff, all the basketball stuff. That's your voicemail number. That's how we have some fun. Um, and the green rooms were spectacular over the weekend. We'll have one Saturday night after Packer Niner. We'll have one Sunday at 2 o'clock, a little later, hour before kickoff with the Monday night winner. Take it on the Buccaneers. All right, voicemail time. Let's hear him, Stefan. JJ, what's happening? Uh, it's your boy, Lee, New York City transplant out in Vegas. Um, today, sadly enough, I think was, uh, was the Super Bowl for us Giants fans. At least the outcome of today was the Super Bowl for us Giants fans. People still in Dallas lose. Um, but hey, look, it also, I think optimistically, if you're a Giant fan, you're looking at that. Or even if you're any sort of middling NFC fan, you're looking at that going, all right, I gotta be hurt. And for, I know people love him and I know that, um, he got all the big money. But if you look at Prescott, the, the, that guy, hit his ceiling, right? So again, you're a giant. You're like, man, if you get these hires right, they make some decent moves. Not saying we're super old contenders in two years, but, you know, we could be playing for at least the end of the East. I don't, not too scared of both those teams, um, right now. Flip side is also on my New York City text chain, uh, New York, and New York football text chain. I got all my Jet fans going nuts for the supposed downfall of, uh, of Belichick. Almost as like, guys, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think Bill's dead just yet. He may come back with something up his sleeve, but on the flip side, I mean, 
you've still got McDermott and Allen it's acting like he won't be smacking down that dynamic duo of Sal and Wilson a bunch of times a year for, for the foreseeable future. Crazy times. All right, bud. Love the show. Talk to you later. Appreciate the call, pal. Um, Giant fans are going to be euphoric anytime the Cowboys lose. And let's be honest with this Cowboy group. They have won absolutely nothing. They have not made it to an NFC title game. They've won a couple of division titles. I think Dak Prescott has one playoff win in his tenure. It's not just Dak. It's the group as a whole. Not good enough. And that's why I do wonder, after an embarrassing loss like this, all the penalties, the way that game ended, does that spark Jerry Jones with two of his coordinators being commodities elsewhere? Kellen Moore interviewed a bunch of places. Dan Quinn interviewed a couple different places. Does that trigger a coaching change from trigger-happy Jerry Jones? Old Jerry Jones, 1,000%. We'll see if that ends up being the case over the next few days. I could see him being easily impatient. Losing a game like that, I would be. Because that was a tough pill to swallow. Look, I don't think the Giants are contending with the team as dynamic and as special as what the Buffalo Bills are going to be. Like, if you're asking me Buffalo or Dallas over the next five years, who do I believe in more? Buffalo. Buffalo's won playoff games. I will take Josh Allen over Dak Prescott, and they have a better defense. That's the amazing thing. Look, I know a lot of Jeff fans. I know a lot of New York fans were happy about Belichick getting his rear end kicked. Getting humiliated, getting embarrassed. It's weird seeing somebody run up the score on Belichick as opposed to the other way around. But get ready, folks. The Buffalo Bills are the team everybody's gunning for in the AFC East. And by this time next year and the following year, I'm not saying you're going to be sick of Buffalo the way you're sick of New England because it's not two decades of this. But I do think that animosity and that, that bitterness towards the Bills, like right now they still might be cute and a feel-good story. I bet you by next year, you're going to be like, I can't stand the Bills. Because I'm already in that category as a Dolphin fan. Now, it's different for me because my team never goes to Buffalo and plays well. And weirdly plays well against the Patriots. That should have been the telltale sign for me. That's, if there's one game I regret this week, it's because I like Buffalo to win. I just thought it would be a tight game. I should have taken the Bills. I had them a few weeks ago. I should have taken the Bills. Because if you lose to my team twice, you're not doing anything this year. That, that, that should have been all I needed to see. You lose to the Dolphins twice, you're not winning a playoff game. Okay, who's next? Jake Jake's got an update. Bro, all this time about the Cowboys. They played horrible. 14 penalties. The end of that game was a joke. All the Cowboys fans saying how relevant the Giants are. Get the hell out of here with that BS. Cowboys lost 11 straight playoff games without making to an NFC Championship game. I know we suck. I'm not... I'm not making any excuses for the Giants, but damn, at least we got those two Super Bowl wins this past century. Get lost. Listen, a Cowboy fan cannot be crowing much. I totally get that, Scotty. They are not going to be crowing much. This is a season to me that's a wasted one. You want all those games in a regular season, you can't even make it out of the wild card round. You can't even have the opportunity to go and play in one of these big boy games against Tampa Bay or against the Green Bay Packers. Look, San Francisco is a formidable opponent. And you should have known the minute the Niners got into the postseason that it was not going to be an easy game. But the Cowboys were undisciplined. The Cowboys were not ready to play at the start of this game. And to see them end the game the way that they did, yeah, if I'm a Giant fan, listen, I haven't had much to cheer about for the last eight or nine years. At least I can hold on to my two Super Bowls. 
there a long time ago, but I can hold on to them. They're more recent than what the Cowboys had in the early and the mid-1990s. Think about this. This will be another year where the Dallas Cowboys are not playing on Championship Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys have not played in an NFC title game since 1996. To put that into perspective, my little sister was born in 2001. Caroline, 91. So she saw you know, the Cowboys. Well, she probably doesn't even remember, but she was five years old when the Cowboys won their last Super Bowl. My little sister hasn't seen it in her lifetime. For a program like Dallas, America's team, that's tough to take. Because they've had teams capable of getting there, and they haven't. This team thought they were capable of getting there. Not to be. Not to be. All right, last but not least, who's up? What's going on, JJ? This is uh, Stuart from Brooklyn. Hey, uh, kudos to the 49ers. Uh, they, they played with um, mental championship uh, toughness. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, what a game for him. 12 tackles and I believe 10 solos. And, and Debo and, I, and Ayuk both did a ton of uh, great things. With, with little, uh, from, from Kittles in, in the, uh, in the receiving game. I mean, most teams would, would crumble losing guys like Boza and Warner during, uh, during a, a, a playoff game and, uh, it didn't happen to hurt, to hurt them at all. And I, I thought the interception that, uh, Jimmy threw was going to hurt them and, and they scored off it, but you know, it, it didn't rattle them. But Kyle Shanahan, uh, his offense yet scores a zero touchdowns in, in, in the second half. This is like four games in a row where he could not score uh, a, a touchdown in the, in the, in the entire uh, second half of the game. And, and I just don't understand why Kyle, Shani, Kyle Shanahan uh, still struggles to put games away. I mean, why is it so difficult for him, you know, to close games out? Um but they're not going to be able to do that uh, against the, uh, the, uh, the Packers. I know it's Aaron Rodgers, and they, and they uh, ranked 28th in, in, in stopping the run. But the thing they got going for the uh, 49ers is that front seven. Appreciate the call, Stu. Bosa and Warner and whether or not they're able to play is going to mean a ton in trying to handicap that Niner-Packer game on Saturday night. Short week for those guys. They're instrumental in their defense. They need them to play. I can't get on Kyle Shanahan for the inability of his team to put this game away. That's far more on the quarterback to me, at least from what I saw on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo missed wide open Brandon Ayuk. That puts the game on ice. Jimmy Garoppolo gifted the Dallas Cowboys a touchdown with the interception that he threw. The issue I had with Shanahan, and his team bailed him out, Fourth and one, they had an opportunity to go for it. I would have went for it. They don't. They punt it back to the Cowboys. Then they were going to go for it with like 40 seconds to play. And the only reason they didn't go for it is because Trent Williams ended up full starting. Like I, I didn't understand the logic there, and I didn't hear what Kyle had to say after the game. And what the rationale was between the one decision and the other decision. But he kicked a field goal up 10 on 4-1, which I couldn't stand. Like if they were up 7, you kick that field goal, go up two scores, I'm with it. I'm cool with it. To go from 10 to 13, nah. Try to go up three scores if you can. Risk-reward. 
to me, the reward outweighs the risk. And that's how you want to kind of weigh it throughout the course of the postseason. But that's not, to me, the game where I'm worried about the indictment of Kyle Shanahan. That's where Jimmy Garoppolo's got to make some plays. And if they're going to win at Lambeau Field Saturday night, yeah, they're going to have to run the ball. Yeah, their defense is going to have to be terrific in that front seven. But Jimmy Garoppolo's got to play a big game. He cannot expect to win that game throwing the ball 15 times and then maybe throwing one or two interceptions. They got no chance that's the case. He's playing for his future with the Niners. You want to stay as that team's quarterback? Keep winning. Keep winning. It's fascinating because I don't think it's a given he's back there next year. Strong performance, though, could change that. All right, we'll set the stage. Monday Night Football. It's a good one. The winner gets Tampa Bay on Sunday. Strong lean and a couple of props that I have my eye on. I'll tell you what those are. Coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. So Monday Night Football. Winner gets Tampa Bay. Cardinals three and a half point dog against the Rams. The Rams got all sorts of issues in the secondary. The Cardinals are beat up going into this game. You don't know on what. Edmonds is beat up. Connor. Hopkins is not going to play. I don't like what I've seen from the Cardinals over the last few weeks. I didn't like what I saw in that Indianapolis game. I didn't like what I saw against Seattle last week. I don't trust the head coach. And I think for each program, the Ram program and where they're at, the Cardinal program and where they're at, this game means so much more to Los Angeles. The Rams have to win this game. Matthew Stafford has to win this game. He's not won a playoff game. They gave up a lot to get him. They brought Stafford to go and perform in a game exactly like this. That's why they brought him in. To go and be a difference maker. Beckham has played well. Jefferson has played well. Cup has been the best receiver in the NFL this year. Outside of, you know. Now, he's been the best. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, honorable mentions. But uh, Cup has been insane. Absolutely insane. You could throw Devontae Adams in there too. But Cup has been unguardable. This is a game the Rams got to go and win. I don't want to hear any excuses. I don't want to hear about the secondary. Go and win this game. I am laying it three and a half. I am playing them on a money line. I am not thinking twice about this one. I am on the Rams every which way. This is their time. This is their moment. I'm laying it. I'm not thinking twice. Rams find a way to get it done. All right, Jeff Money. It was a topsy-turvy wildcard weekend. Sorry about your Cowboys. What do you have on deck for the nightcap? Up, JJ. Jeff Money here with a handicapper fix. It's going to be tomorrow for tomorrow, Monday, January the 17th. As of right now, just finished off on the uh, on the Buccaneer game, so it puts me 2-1 and one right now in the playoffs. I have two games pending right now as we speak. It Probably by this uh, phone call, you probably already know the results. I got the Cowboys and the Chiefs, and you're opposite of me on that, I know. As far as the Monday night again, you know I'm already taking. I'm going against you. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals plus the 3.5. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
Jeff Money rolling with Kyla Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Jeff Money, I love you, buddy. And I know you hit the Chiefs at night. Give you credit there. You hit the Bengals. I did not. Got you back with Niners and Cowboys. I think I'm returning the favor on Monday night. I do not love this spot. I do not believe in the Cardinals. And you're the NFL. You want the Rams in this game. If I am Tampa Bay and I am watching this game, Tom Brady's maybe having uh, one of his energy drinks or his, you know, his, his vegan smoothies that he has. That's why he looks like he's 20, even though he's 47 or 43, whatever the hell his age is. Make no mistake. The Buccaneers would much rather play the Cardinals than play the Rams. Worf's getting beat up. The injuries to the Buccaneers. You think they want to have Aaron Donald and company coming in that building? I don't think so. Especially when Los Angeles beat them last year and they beat them this year. They want the Cardinals. They should be rooting for the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to get their wish. We are back on Tuesday night. After this Monday night wildcard game, we got some MLK NBA action. You always look forward to that. And then the divisional round is set. Giants in their GM search and we're getting closer to the Hall of Fame balloting, and that's basically all the news you're getting with Major League Baseball. If you're one of these guys or gals that's into this lockout stuff, more power to you. But I was planning on being at spring training in late February, early March. There ain't a chance in hell I'm going to be down in Tampa or Port St. Lucie in late February, early March. I can tell you that right now. If I'm down there in late March and the season starts in mid-April, I'd sign for it at this point. What a mess. What an absolute mess. The fun, fabulous job. Trivia Tuesday, voicemail galore on Tuesday. And Chris Herring, who wrote an amazing book on the 90s Knicks. I read it when I had COVID. Actually, I read it before I had COVID. Who the hell am I kidding? It was amazing. Like, I finished the book in like two days. I can't wait to talk to Chris. He's going to join us. Enjoy your Monday. JJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>